Hi, and welcome to Women in Philanthropy. This is a podcast about and by women working in philanthropic giving. Grantmakers, fundraisers, executive directors, researchers, advisors. You can't always see behind the scenes in philanthropic giving, and that means you can't see who enables this giving. My name is Michelle Fugel-Gartner. I'm a philanthropic practitioner and researcher. My doctoral research demonstrated that most of what we know about working in philanthropic giving is told to us through a male point of view. This podcast offers the opportunity to hear from women working in giving. The idea for a podcast was inspired by having dim sum with my friends and talking about our roles in philanthropy, our challenges, and our thoughts. Each 15-minute episode will connect you with a woman in philanthropy. You'll hear about her role, how she got there, and how it enables giving. You'll also hear her thoughts on issues such as worth, negotiation, and influence. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you are a woman working in philanthropy and would like to share your story, please get in touch. And now, our woman in philanthropy. The Women in Philanthropy podcast is generously sponsored by the Voluntary Sector Studies Network. VSSN promotes understanding of the UK voluntary sector through research and provides a voice and a meeting place for voluntary sector researchers in the UK. Membership is invited from academics and practitioners. For more information, look at the website www.vssn.org.uk. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Women in Philanthropy. I'm very pleased that you're here. I think we're on episode nine, and we are here today with Jessica Middleton. And I'm going to let Jessica kick off by letting us know what her role in philanthropy is. Well, thank you very much for having me here. I am always happy to come and talk about philanthropy. I love all things funding. So um, my current role in philanthropy is I'm an insight manager at BBC Children in Need, so a large grant maker, UK focused. And really my role is focused on, I guess the elevator pitch is that I lead all of our insight around children and young people. So what do we know about their lives? What what are they telling us? What are our grantees telling us? What's the sector, research, all of those kind of things telling us. And my job really is to make sure that all of that insight drives action. So it drives our funding, it drives our content creation, so TV, it drives our marketing, our fundraising, our work with corporate partners. So really my role is to make sure that we get all of the right insights and that we're gathering that from a whole range of spaces and then using that to inform action basically so we can make change and make a difference in children and young people's lives. So with insight, I'm taking that as sort of social impact. Mm-hmm. Is that what that is? Yes, that is, yeah. And what are some of the... Um, elements or aspects how do you how do you find the insights specifically what are the types of data that you use oh, so many and i'm in a i'm in quite a small team but we are all uh, very focused on all the different ranges of things that we can get in so we um have a vast array of data from our grantees um and uh we have developed systems that allow us to tell stories in a very in a kind of breadth and depth way um a whole range of academic research, also mm-hmm. research that I commissioned myself from a range of sector partners, uh, co-production and co-designed work with children and young people alongside grantees. 
I mean, it's a massive range of stuff that we're drawing on and really trying to bring it all together to give an accurate idea, a picture really of what's actually happening today and how can we respond to these needs. And so, you know, we need we need information that is both kind of more kind of long term research Mm -hmm. as well as what, you know, what are our grantees telling us on a consulting call we have with them? It's a real mixture. And um, I lead on our knowledge management of that, of trying to corral that into something that enables people across the organization to use it in a hopefully useful and impactful way. Well, I want to dive deeper into that in just in a second, because there's a there's so much conversation around social impact. So mm-hmm. I want to get into how you're blending the academic and the practice. But before that, I want to ask you, how did you find this role? How did you like <laughs> How did you plan to come into this? I, I didn't plan to come in. I've got to be really honest. Um, I always knew that I wanted to work in something with social purpose, but I certainly didn't come from a school or a background where this where funding was even part of my life. Um, but I just knew um, that that's something I wanted to do. And when I was at university, I uh, paid my way by having a job within the research department. So I began to understand, oh, you know, there's a way to use information to inform action. And um, I got a job at a very small charity of nine people. Uh, and so I did that. And my role was funded by a whole range of funders. And suddenly it was like, oh, there's this world out there of funding. A job came up and I became a grant maker. During that time, I was I did a Churchill Fellowship because I was really interested in how can we develop grant making and funding so that it best enables the people in the sector to do the work so that it makes a difference right and so suddenly I was like actually insight is the stuff I'm really excited about I love funding but how can I use this information in a way which actually advocates for people it enables people to have a voice and it also drives action in a meaningful way so whenever I'm asked this I'm like I didn't have a grand plan I didn't know you could move from you know grant making to insight but that's what happens. I think that's part of the like why these stories are so incredible is just because there's not a grand plan for most right. of us and there's not really a pathway we can see ahead of time. And mm-hmm. so it is kind of stumble, trip, stumble, trip into uh, into these roles. We had researchers on the uh, podcast a little while ago and they were talking about the, the need for more research and the need for um, combining research and practice. So how, how do you do that? It, what's your style or your approach to it? Um, you're not in academia, but how do you use research outside of it then? I try and take an approach which has a balance of both lived and learned experience whenever I'm creating something. So I think when I first worked within funding, um, I've worked within funding now for over 14 years. And I remember being told, you know, we don't bring ourselves to the table. We are objective when we make decisions. And I feel like we've moved on from that position now. I mean, there's still a lot of work to do where we've said, actually, it's real experience that needs to inform a lot of this. So the way I try and take it, if I'm creating something, say, for example, for a corporate partner and we need to raise money but we also want to do awareness raising Mm -hmm. around something and influence is to make sure that we have the evidence robust evidence that's sat there so a whole range of different data sets that I'll draw on Um, but I'm very interested in both bringing qual and quant data to the table um, and a whole range of things but for me at the heart of it is you need the rigor of Mm -hmm 
great research and uh, good data, but you also need the heart and you need to be able to tell the story from, you know, in a way which is respectful and meaningful, but also enables some kind of change rather than using voices, but being able to say, you know, how would you like us to move this forward? And the way we've done pieces of research with young people where they've led on our research, they've driven and made all the decisions about it, helped us to, you know, inform all the different stages. For me, that's the ideal if we can marry all of those things together. Because I think, you know, just uh, a, a piece of academic research on its own is great, but it's one perspective. We need to gather around and bring all of that together because obviously I'm bringing myself to this as well and my own experiences. And so different voices are so, so important, I think. I just really want to acknowledge, and I'm really inspired by the fact that you're blending it together, but it's hard to do. And sometimes it can feel isolating when you're trying to make that blend and, you know, trying to incorporate all the perspectives and the voices. So um, I'm just really happy that you're doing that. Um, Trying, I mean, always (laughs) aspiring to do it. And I think, you know, with capacity doing what we can, but I think some of the best pieces of work I've, I've done have tried to blend that together. And when it's informed strategic work, it feels much more authentic if we can say, look, we've looked across all of these spaces and this yes. is what we know. Yeah. And I feel that there's a real power in that, but also I feel a responsibility that if someone is going to work with us and consult with us and inform us that we should, we should, you know, respect that and use that in a way which is mindful and actually does make a change rather than saying thanks for all of your input yes I love the intentionality I think it starts with that and then you can start to figure out how to make that blend with that intention but you've just said something that was going to be my next question and I (laughs) I want your opinion on you know social impact can be onerous for people and people are asked to participate in research a lot um how do you balance that? How do you gather the insights from grantees in a way that doesn't feel burdensome? I think it is still a massive challenge across the sector. Um, I've seen a whole variety of our kind of end of year reporting changing over time. I've seen it on other funds that I've sat on, um, organizations where I'm a trustee, that yeah. this conversation is happening whether it's donor advised funds or whether in kind of trusts and foundations, it happens within statutory funding with commission funders as well, that we're all saying, you know, we need this information in order to raise money or to, you know, drive awareness. But also I'm so mindful of that, you know, the sector is often totally overburdened. It's yes. working at crisis point at the moment. Um, so for me, it's about, I think we have to keep asking those questions. We need to learn from other funders. Yeah. We need to keep having the dialogue, but also going, you know, if we're asking this question in this report, who is it serving and yes. what's the purpose of it? Because for me, you know, I'm a greedy insight person. I want all of the things. All the, you can ask all the questions. Research yes. is just a rabbit hole and it's so exciting. All <laughs> Always. Can we add another one? Can we ask this? But then I try to remember when I was in that charity of nine people and we mm-hmm. were, you know, I was managing two programs. I was kind of, you know, learning as I went. And I think, how would I have responded to, mm. be, able to be able to do that and deliver a service that is safe, that, that right. you know, we're safeguarding people, that we're doing yep. the right learning. So for me, I think there's there's no easy answer to it apart from really being mindful of that, always asking the difficult questions, 
learning from what other people are doing out there. You know, I'm really inspired by people who, um, when I, I went to America to do my Churchill Fellowship, yep. I met with a whole load of different funders. And um, it was the first time I met with people who said, you know, we're not we're not interested in the budget. We're not interested in the narrative. What's the change that's being made? That's what we want to know from our report. And the grantees were saying to me on the visits, you know, it just means we've got more time to focus on delivery and yeah. you still get what you need as a funder. Right. Um, and I acknowledge that that's not possible for every funder. You know, I work for a public funder. Yep. We, we've got due diligence, but I think we can take principles from great practice and see how we can align them with our own work. I think it's a really great point. Again, back to intention. Like, what do we actually need to get out of this as a funder? What do we actually need to know? I think is a really reflective question that I don't think we always sit down long enough to really consider. And also, maybe what we need now is not what we need later. And this iterative process about what we're asking for. Um, Thank you for that. I just, I think social impact is one of these areas where... um, maybe the pendulum swung a little bit too far and there's been some really great um, critical conversation around that. And how do we get to a place that works and who, and, you know, like you said, some funders will ask more questions and they will need to ask more questions, but others may not need to. So I think it's the point of, you know, would we, would we ask this of ourselves when we're funders? That's such an important point to say, you know, we often hold um, community, you know, organizations that we're funding, I think it, it because we're our intentions might be around learning, but we might be asking them that if someone asked us as an organization to do that, we'd be like, we it's too onerous for us. So I exactly. think taking a that kind of really pragmatic approach and being honest and saying, what actually do I need to know here and how can we do this? Because, you know, there will always be people like myself and my colleagues, we're always going to be interested if you tell us more. Yes, of exactly. Exactly. We're passionate about these things. We want yeah. to see change. We we want to learn, we want to use this to drive, but we have to acknowledge that, um, you know, we're often talking about organizations with very limited capacity and we shouldn't be a burden. We should be a support. That's what we're here for. We're already on a hot topic of social impact, but I wanted to ask your opinion on what issues in philanthropy also need raising. Well, it kind of carries on really. I, I think this is well, this this is an issue that's always been there, but just about power balance across mm. the board. That I think my impression is that we are much more mindful of our power that we have as funders and that when we step up into a room, that it changes, it shifts the dynamic often. And how do you how do you change that to enable true relationships mm. with organizations? And whether that are the organizations you fund, whether it's with researchers, mm-hmm. other people within the sector that I think there is still such an onus placed on other organizations to respond to funders. And actually, we should be collaborate. We should be showing up together. And um, it's something I'm just, I'm still really interested in. I think there's been lots of developments within it. But this kind of, it's not good enough just to acknowledge the power that we have, but to change how that dynamic works. How it happens. Um, I sat in one room one time uh, where one funder has said, actually, we should be um, soliciting nonprofits to take our funding because it's our mandate socially to give our money away. So we should be the ones who are asking for them to accept us. Yeah. So that was one time. (laughs) I mean, I think 
these are conversations that are had within the sector, whether they're had publicly. I think that leads us on to a whole other issue about the opaqueness of funding in the sector. But I think for me, it's that um, when I was a grant maker and I was trying to build relationships with the organizations we, we, we funded, that if I showed up and said, look, let me, let me tell you about where I'm coming from with this and what I need to know. Yeah. When I had a true relational approach with organizations, suddenly the challenges that they were facing, I wasn't finding out at the end of the year when I couldn't do anything. I was finding out early on so I could exactly. help them and do that. And actually that, that relied on me showing up to do that rather than waiting for them to just trust me. It was me coming along and trying to say, you know, you work out what, what was needed in that situation. It depended on the community, the issue. Right. And also having the capacity as a grant maker to do that, because you if you have a big portfolio, you might only be able to do that with a certain amount of projects. But again, it's honing that craft, I think, the craft of being a funder where you're you're saying, like, how do my actions kind of influence this situation, really? I want to ask you the rapid fire questions now, if you're ready for them. I'm ready. OK, fabulous. So. What is the worst philanthropic jargon? Oh, so hard because there's so many. <laughs> a, a lot of my role is focused on language, and I realize oh, how yeah, of course, of course, ingrained bad jargon is within me. So I say this as somebody who is really trying to learn all the time. I think that uh, across the board, we have to think about language and jargon because. This is some of the foundations around accessibility and being inclusive. And right. I think that it can, uh, when I um, meet with people who are new into the sector, it can be such a barrier. I've done an induction for some of our staff where we've played jargon bingo with them and we created a whole thing because we were like, Love it. you're going to hear all of this and it's okay if you don't understand because there are approximately 1,700 ways to talk about the voluntary sector in the UK. Exactly. You can call it the not-for-profit sector. You know, it's even at that, we don't even have an agreed-upon name for our sector. 100%. Um, and I think, controversially, I would put impact in there as one of the bad <laughs> I love that you did that. That's great. I think that within our own organisations, we know what we mean when we talk about impact. But there are so many iterations, variations of it, that it's almost meaningless at some levels that, um, you know, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the difference we're making? Are we talking mm. about broader impact? Like, what is it we're talking about? And so I try to challenge myself to actually talk about what we're talking about. Are we talking about wider impacts on a community? Are we talking about the difference that's been made, for example, in a child's life? By right. uh, I just think that even though impact is absolutely something I really care about, I I just think we really need to rethink what we mean by it because when people say we want to make the most impact, I'm like, what, what does that look On like? What? Oh, so um, it's, it's, I find it interesting. The other researchers also named impact as the worst jargon. So I don't know if this is a re researcher thing, but you know, one of their points was there's also negative impact. Yeah. You know, so we want to make, you know, do we want to make the most negative impact? No, we, yeah. you know, what kind of impact? And also this idea of impact as being a very sort of violent term, like yeah. you're going to impact something that's very forceful to kind of to those power dynamics as well. Like it's kind sure. of like a car crash, there's impact. 
Um, and so I think that's a really interesting way to think about the word. And like you said, about language, um, is that why you use insights? Is that? Yes. So, um, and when we talk about insights, we're looking over the whole range of it because I think we can say to people, you know, we're, we're looking at what we've learned. We've looking at, you know, the change that has been made or if it's not change, you know, what's been sustained through this or what, what's been enabled. I would like to get to a space where we recognize language and break that down that, mm-hmm. of course, every sector has its own language and own jargon. But I'm, I often see it as a barrier to people engaging with us. Yeah. I've also been a grantee. I've sat yeah. writing uh, end of year reports and some of the language. Of, I don't know what I'm being asked for here. Yes. You know, I'm yes. scared to write this because maybe I don't understand what it is. And actually, you know, most of the time it's quite simple what we're looking for. But I, I think our intentions with that is not that we're trying to make things difficult. It's that this is ingrained. It's any sector has a has a language. Right. And we're just asking those questions. And it might be there's a great space when we're a load of funders around the table to talk and use the myriad of all jargon. The jargon. Use, use it all. But there's other spaces where it's like, let's simplify. I yeah, think. Um, absolutely. But I do spend a lot of time talk, thinking about language. Oh, and, I love that. Um, how how we can use our insights in a meaningful way to either, you know, elevate messages around what's happening or, um, you know, influence around our fundraising, all of those things. And and language is just so crucial. So the last rapid fire question is, what is the next needed role in philanthropy? We're doing really great things in the sector. There's been in terms of movements towards more sharing. I think things like 360, where we're sharing, I think is such a great example of where we can be doing more to share with each other. What I would love to see is us take that forward to include our learning and our insights, even if that's at a local level, so that um, we have kind of greater connections with each other, but also it allows us to rethink what we're doing together. So, and, and when I talk about bringing that together, a range of different stakeholders, not just funders, not just fundraisers, but what about statutory sector commissioners? This is huge amounts oh. of money that go into communities. And my experience has been, I had great relationships with some in some places and others right. I didn't know what they were funding. And we're at this really crucial time where, you know, we're coming off the back of two crises. We're still, yeah. we're still in, in, in them. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a sector that is really trying to respond to, you know, very huge challenges that have the potential to be really long term there also you know there's issues around capacity money and all of those things and I think it's important that we 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 might not need to align our funding but we need to know what else is what everybody else complementing it really I think it's a really great point because 360 gives a great snapshot Mm -hmm. of what's possible and to your point there's like this next level down of how do you share the next stuff and how do you make that intentional as part of roles or every day yeah how do we share and I think I mean transparency is something I've always been interested in as a as a funder and um I think it speaks to that that there's this kind of what can we share with each other and there might be lines within our organizations that mean we can't share or we feel we can't share yeah Um, there may be challenges at you know where we are in a project but also I think there's some fundamentals that when we're talking about giving money and issue-based it can be a barrier to people sharing and connecting. And actually, how do we make sure that we are we can be transparent and also 
still mindful of our own responsibilities as organizations. I'm not suggesting we just throw everything out there and not worry about, you know, the consequences for GDPR and all of yes, these things. Yes, exactly. But I do think that connection is so important and getting back to a space where we can we can share more and more of what we're doing because our job then is to facilitate people making a change or enabling something in their community. Absolutely. And for all the listeners, uh, Jessica and I were talking about it before I pressed record about how important just having these conversations are and sort of these like, you know, looking at roles, looking at the structures within organizations, asking the questions of, well, why don't we share that? What, you know, organizational history is telling us not to and is that actually accurate? And so having these types of conversations more and more. And I'm so happy that you were able to share all the information on insights, social insights. Jessica will share some um, resources and I'll connect you to her in the podcast uh, description and also the pod sheet. Um, And just really appreciate your time today, Jessica, and everybody for listening in and really interested in listeners' thoughts around social impact, social insight. I think it's just a topic that it cuts both ways, positively, negatively. So if people are interested in sharing their insights, please uh, reach out. Thank you so much, Jessica. Oh, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. As well, check out all the links and the resources in the show notes. If you are a woman in philanthropy and would like to share your story, please get in touch. That's all for this episode. See you next time.